everyone. This is Louis Simmons again here at uh, Westside Barbell Club. This is the Conjugate Club. And uh, today we're going to talk uh, to um, um, Nick Showman about training uh, female softball players and youth training. Um, Nick, go ahead and take it over. Yeah, so a um, little bit about me. I've been coaching for about 10 years. I actually started, I don't know if you remember, Mark Watts. He was at Denison University, a small D3 mm -hmm. college in Granville. Um, so I worked with him for three and a half years, and he actually, I didn't realize that at the time, he used a conjugate system. I mean, our our girls there squatted with chains, bands, everything. And so I thought that was how every Division One college was. Like every college program, that's, you know, I figure if Denison University is doing this, then everyone else is. Um, I mean, we use specialty bars, everything rotated on waves. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Um, but he actually got me a job at a local facility. It was a speed and agility school, more or less. But I got to, with that, I got to work with some other girls and a wide variety of athletes. And I actually, the best thing about the job was I was my own boss. Like my bosses, they were, they ran the business, but they were nowhere to be found. So I had to implement the training and learn a lot on my own. So with that, I got a girl, she was the number one high school pitcher in the state of Ohio. And I started working with her, um, Serrano actually sent her, said, you need to get stronger because she couldn't throw softball. <laughs> yeah. So had a full ride as a freshman to Louisville, hurt her back because I mean, she was, as, she wasn't as big as that cup, but she could throw 62 miles an hour as a freshman in high school, which is for softball. That's insane. Cause it's not as the field's a lot smaller than baseball. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you're 45, talking right? 43, 43 <clears throat> instead of uh, what is it? 90, Six, 60, yeah, 90, so, 60 to the mound. So you're talking 17, 20 feet closer. Um, so that's flying, but she got to where she literally couldn't throw a ball across the plate. So Louisville actually pulled her scholarship <laughs> as a freshman and said, if you can't get better then you can't play. So I worked with her. And I didn't really know what to do. I'd never really worked with um, a higher level athlete like that. So I said, okay, this girl's so small. We just, I knew to get her stronger. And I didn't know much about softball. So I said, okay, if we just get her stronger everywhere and not worry about her sport, not worry about anything, she's going to be better. Because right now she's useless to her team or whatever. So that year she got her scholarship back, um, won the state title for her school. Like her team won the state title in D2. And then um, she actually won Pitcher of the Year. And then I believe her travel ball team that summer also won their big travel tournament in ASA, which is the big um, softball league or for travel. But like I said, Serrano Center, and it was get your upper back stronger, get your abs stronger, and she had no ass. I mean, her pants, she had skinny jeans, but they were baggy. No. I mean, it was insane. I'd never seen it. But the interesting thing was right around that time, I got like five or six more softball girls and they all had the same injuries mm. because it's a one-sided sport and they, all they do is play and it's getting worse the amount of games they're playing each year. But, um, so it was interesting. I had one, you know, I'd have two girls, same thing you do in the gym. I had this group doing this, this group doing this and another group doing something else. So I was able to evaluate every six, eight weeks. Okay. This is working. This isn't, um, then uh, I ended up leaving that place to open up Showtime because there was no strength training. And they were pissed because my kids were strength training. So I was like, well, you know what? 
this is closer to what he did at Denison. And I had proof, and I showed them papers. I said, here's my kids' results. Here's the ones doing speed and agility. And they're like, well, you know, that's not what we are. Well, so. <laughs> yeah, strength is the most important element. Without yeah. strength, you, you have no speed or agility. Right, and that's what I showed them. I had, I had <clears throat> evidence that their speed was increasing more by doing less of the sprinting. I was still doing oh. weight. Looking at the volume of sprinting we were doing then, it was still way too high. Yeah. But we were doing less than what they were doing, like their speed and agility classes. And, um, but they didn't want to break away from that. I'm like, that's fine, but you got to understand, like, these are results. Well, the thing like, with running, uh, even a chicken can run with his head chopped off. <laughs> it doesn't take much of a coach to have kids go out and run. Sometimes I think that they don't have anything else in their brain to tell a child, so they just tell them to go run. That'll right. get them out of their hair for 20 minutes. Right. And that's the <clears> issue. But so when I opened, I mean, we were still on like a linear. I don't know if you want to call it BFS. You know, they squatted, Ooh, yeah. they benched. But I always made sure, like, okay, if they're going to bench, they're going to do heavy rows or heavy pull-ups. Mm. If they're going to squat, we're going to do some glute hams. I didn't have a hyper until I got up here. But they're always doing some opposite work mm -hmm. instead of just, like, okay, three sets of ten on bench and then some tricep push-downs. So they always did some upper back. And I was big on um, loaded carries, like farmer's walks mm -hmm. and stuff like that. That girl, when she was a freshman – the facility was 40 yards long down and back and she carried i think it was 140 pounds in each hand in ninth grade like <laughs> so but i use that to fix her back i got it i don't know if you ever heard of dan john he's a throws oh, coach sure he's huge on loaded carries and i was reading a bunch of his stuff and i'm like well he said you will never do a, a heavy farmer's walk wrong you might do it once but you will not do it twice because mm. you'll be so sore because it's static ab work. Right. You have to stay upright. So it's teaching posture. So that, with all these girls, that was the best thing I could do. You know, and all, the softball world's very guilty, and baseball too, about saying um, core, 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 core. None of them can do a plank. <laughs> I mean, like 20 seconds, and they're like shaking side to side. So it's, I, I've gotten better, and I've been able to teach more people how to actually use their core. And people don't understand the core's not just right here. It's everything. Four-sided. Right. <laughs> you know, and I get kids, like, I'll put them on our hyper and show them how to do a body weight reverse hyper. No, not even putting the strap on, and they just sit there and shake. I mean, so that's when people want to talk about core. Like, okay, that's part of it. So um, the hyper has been huge for us, and that's – I started having that girl do them and some of these other girls. And so but what I was saying, we're on a linear method – I got all these girls to squat uh, like 200 pounds and then it just, and I could not figure it out. I mean, I got all these girls to a certain level and then none of them could really, you know, their, their numbers would improve like some here, some there, but not how it was. And then that's right about the time I started coming up here to train myself. And that's when I started being able to take some of this stuff back. And I'm telling you it, Nothing changed our facility more than the stuff here. I mean, box squatting is pretty much, um, like I was telling you, that's pretty much our assessment now. Like, everybody wants to use a functional movement screen or take time to do this or that. Some of my groups are 20 to 25 athletes. I'm mm. not taking them through a, you know, and with seasons getting <clears throat> longer and your off-season getting shorter, I don't have time to do an hour movement assessment. 
And um, so we've got our movement assessment. We'll do the warm up, either dynamic, in place, band, something. Um, and then I use their movement to assess their movement. And now some of it I learned from you. My wife, uh, Claire, she's a doctor of physical therapy. So that also helps. <laughs> so I say, you know, between you and her, I've learned more about movement than anybody could have taught me. I know years ago I, I worked with a coach at Texas A&M, and uh, she told me every girl on her softball team could parallel box squat 300 pounds. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't think strength's important. But in, uh, in, in, uh, oh, back in the former East Germany in the 80s, uh, Coach Hill, they had the fastest women in the world. Mm -hmm. And he called their, they didn't, he didn't call the girls the world champs, the Olympic champs, the European champs. He called them my strong girls. Now, it makes it pretty evident what he done with them. They were freaking strong. He said strength and power to run down a track or play on field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, obviously, like I said, this has been like 10 years in the making. But what I started to realize, you know, and I go to these kids' games. It helped so much for me to go to their games mm -hmm. and actually see, like, oh, well, you suck at doing this. Like, you can't move laterally. Well, yeah. So we need to get you to be able to move side to side. But if you've been to a softball game or baseball game, and I actually just saw this in uh, some of the research I was looking at, a play is three to five seconds. <laughs> three to five seconds followed by 20 to 40 seconds of rest. So you're talking a 10 to 1 rest to work ratio. Mm. So being in the middle of the road is absolutely useless for softball and baseball. It's an anaerobic sport. It's not aerobic. Just like football. Yeah. So I think they even get more rests because you got innings. You know, if you're up to bat, <clears throat> your team's up to bat, you're sitting in the dugout. Yeah. So you get even, well, like, you're near full recovery all the time. That's right. You only play half a game. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to explain this to actually NFL string coaches. Half the team's playing offense and half the team's playing defense. Mm -hmm. They don't play a full season. They play half a season. Yeah. Well, you know, you bring up a good point with the with the ball players, baseball players. You ask yourself, well, how to, you know how how was this sport that they're able to chew tobacco when they're doing it? Yeah, that's that's why I mean, <laughs> that was another thing. I was I only played football in high school, so for me, when I started going to these games, I saw the girls like having fun outside the dugout. I'm like you guys are in the middle of a game, but it's a different sport. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, they have downtime. Mm -hmm. It's the closest thing to powerlifting, a strength sport. I mean, the, when you look at the rest <clears throat> ratios, the only difference is like a powerlifting meet can go 10, 12 hours, mm -hmm. whereas a softball game on the long end is going to be an hour and a half, too. You're 100% right. You just, you just rest, and then you have to hit a home run or still second base or run to catch a fly. Then you rest. <laughs> right. Sometimes the ball's not coming your way. you got a lot of rest. <laughs> right. And that's – um, but I just – so I keep getting these girls stronger and I'm, you know, I'm tracking what they're doing, watching some of what they're doing. And I finally got the courage to use some accommodating resistance with them. And I did it ass backwards. If I would have known now or then what I know now, I would have started with bands. But I started with chains because I thought the bands would be too violent and it would, you know, mess up their movement or they couldn't handle it. I should have started with bands because it would have taught them. Um, it, bands are better. Bands. <laughs> Chains are good, but the difference is what we notice: you can't unrack a squat bar with band tension and be loose. You have to stay tight. So it taught them that how to stay tight. Um, you can't 
slowly squat against a band. It has to be fast. So um, change, you can cheat a little bit. Yeah. That's what bands, uh, bands is the best form as far as I'm concerned of accommodating resistance. One advantage bands have over change, you have overspeed eccentric effect, which mm -hmm. increases reversal muscle action. Right. Which is in all sports. Mm-hmm. And with our college girls, we've actually tried band and chain, a lighter band and some combination. And that was when we really got a ton, running a three-week wave of that, we got a ton of carryover. And when we went to straight weight after that, it was, I mean, I just, two weeks ago, we started our straight weight uh, wave with our softball players because they're getting ready to be in season. And you know what they all told me? They go, this is so freaking easy <laughs> compared to squatting with heavy band, with heavy chain. They haven't done a free squat without anything in June. June would have been the last time they did a free squat. So it's all box squats. Either <laughs> box squat. We did a three-week wave of free squat with bands. Mm -hmm. But that was it. So they, in that whole time, they've done three weeks not box squat. Mm -hmm. Everything else was off a of box. And I think we had a girl that's a junior in high school she's a pitcher she's going to eastern kentucky on a full ride monday she squatted 225 for a triple fast just easy and she's like 120 pounds and then another girl she's going to buffalo next year to play catcher she squatted 235 for three um, we have a center fielder she's a sophomore she's tiny she's she told me she's 121 pounds squatted 205 for three sets of three so we got three girls that'll probably take the squat record off our board, the deadlift record. And that's why I tell the girl that got me started in this, Shelby, uh, she just graduated from Ohio State. If I could have known then when she was training, um, it would have been insane. Because she ended up being, so she graduated from Ohio State last year. She was thrown 72 miles an hour, which makes her probably the, one of the five hardest throwers in co collegiate softball. So, you know, in softball, speed, Movement, so the spin of the ball, and placement. Those are the biggest things. And being able to repetitively do that. They get it over the plate. Right. And, I mean, because it's a, it's a power activity, so you're going to run out of gas if you don't have power. Mm -hmm. um, and she, I mean, <laughs> I stood in the batter's box one time, and she threw one, and I cringed. It was terrifying. Yeah, you, know, you, you bring that up, you know, strength. That We've had very strong guys on another note come here. I mean, guys could go 2,500 in the 220s. They can't even get through a squat workout with us. Mm -hmm. They're laying on the ground, let alone to get to the 25 deadlifts that we do immediately after. You know, strength is one of the best ways to build recovery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's um, every year I've used our college group as our lab rats. Every year we've pulled back their sprint volume. All right, so we used to run a lot, but every year, so now on the high end, twice a summer, their highest sprint volume in a workout will be 400 yards. So that's 1040s, so down and back. But when they do that, they're getting about a minute and a half rest because I want an actual sprint, not a conditioning exercise. But that's two times a summer. Um, some of my girls are running two miles every day before they strength train. Uh, so. I'd like to make one note. I mean, I, I wrote a track book on sprinting. I trained, uh, I worked with two Olympic gold medal sprinters and uh, a, a lot of people. I have a silver medalist in the last Olympics in the long jump. And one thing, people make a big mistake. They run too long. So what are they working on? Deceleration. Where do you lose a race when you decelerate? You must only work on acceleration. 
know for a sprinter, it's not uh, your sport, but it's basically um, reaction time and then block clearance and then acceleration. And it, it definitely in, in sports like softball, you know, you're only get to accelerate from one base to the next uh, right. most of the time. Right. Unless there's an error, but you're yeah. hitting triples is not a common thing. Yeah. You know, you might get lucky and hit a double, but that's where, you know, people understand that's starting strength. Imagine. You know, standing on first base and being able to take off to second. That's starting strength. Yeah. Starting strength is the ability to ma have maximum force in minimal time. Actually, 30, uh, 30 uh, uh, hundreds of a second. Right. It's instantaneous, basically. Right. And um, so, like I said, with with Shelby, it's been interesting. She was probably my ultimate lab rat. And um, we've <clears throat> probably had 20 to 30 girls go on d1 full rides you know for a town like newark that's a big deal because you don't you know here in columbus you're drawing from a much bigger pool we have small schools like 130 to 150 per class at each school um so we usually i'd say every year it's been about five to ten girls are going d1 to d3 to play college sports and um but the interesting thing is you know she was obviously she had the technical skill i have girls that they didn't have the technical skill to hardly be on their high school team. And now they're playing in college because that's, you know, strength. That's the difference the, that strength can make. You can take your stud athlete and make them superior in the whole sport. And it can take a kid that can't even get on the field to leading their team. So, you know, there's plenty of studies uh, in, uh, overseas and actually here. And I've seen it myself that you never s select children ability when they're young between four and ten years old because the strongest kids boys and girls will outperform the rest but on that note why wouldn't you keep those children the strongest kids throughout mm -hmm. their career they will always be the best right. providing technique and and, and skill goes uh, accordingly now i will say this when it comes to young kids <laughs> i never believed this until recently bad training is worse than no training <laughs> well of course it is <laughs> Like if you get started on the right or on the wrong path, it's very hard to learn. You know, I'm sure you see it with the guys that come in here. You got to teach them how to it, start all over and it. You know, go to the ten thousand rule. It takes they say ten thousand, you know, repetitions to do something correctly. If you're doing it incorrectly, it could take a lot more than that to correct it. Yeah, and that's um, you know, that Shelby girl. Yeah. She had trained before, but it was like all weird shit and. When we just started having her lift weights, mm -hmm. that's when everything got better. And, you know, we, like I said, cutting the sprint volume, we still do throws. We pair our squats with jumps, you know, because we're on a time frame. You do a lot of jumps? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're jumping twice a week. Yeah, I, that's how I um, monitor how powerful a person is in my gym and how fast they can run short distance by how high they can jump. Yeah, I mean, and what do you what do you do? We do forty jumps a week for you know most advanced forty jumps twice a week. We'll usually do so. It will depend on if it's like a speed workout max, mm -hmm. um, but we rotate our jumps just like we do yeah. um, the lifts. You know, so one week they might do like a seated box jump. The next week might be a seated holding dumbbell box jump, just like here. And then the third week we might do a just regular box jump without weight or with weight you know use that as a test week um but they're usually getting 20 to 30. that's usually the rep range yeah. we're staying in um, that's uh, actually 24 is recommended for novices and you know you have to consider these young girls novices in a way right. they haven't got the 
the amount of hours underneath them to be able to sustain that type of work. Right. And the issue I have with them is they want to take the box higher, and right. I want a better landing. You want an optimal box. Correct. Yes. I don't care if optimal is a 10-inch box or a 40-inch box. So I, I used to set out like six different boxes. Now I set out three, no matter how big the group is. You're either on a low, a medium, or a high box. Mm. and um, But jumps have been that's been outstanding so like we'll squat jump ab or prehab that's our rotation and we'll do six or eight rounds of that and our kids get it done in 15 20 minutes because i know like with this kind of training everyone says that time is the big issue mm -hmm. it fits right in our hour workout oh. no like no issues <laughs> you know like i said 15 20 minutes they got all their squats mm -hmm. jumps and either ab work or prehab in um I mean, I don't think 15 or 20 minutes for a whole chunk of strength training is too long. No. Well, if you take uh, a minute in between sets on squatting and deadlifting, if you did 12 sets, it's only 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's like when I'm up here and it's me, Luke, and Jake. Right. We'll do 12 doubles, and I set my stopwatch at 16 to 17 minutes. Yeah. Good. That's very good. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's our conditioning. <laughs> that's your conditioning, and that's um, – your rate of a level of preparedness a lot of people are not prepared the gpp is so low they can't recover so then they think the training's wrong right. but in actuality their gpp is low right um then one of well, the th i mean i say without gpp you'll never develop spp no <laughs> and that's an interesting thing you just um reminded me of so two years ago i think i had 17 college girls and by the end of summer, none of them had any injuries. They all, their elbows felt good, shoulders felt good. When they went back, winter break, when they came back, we had 11 with injuries. It was nine or 11, one of the two. And when I say injuries, it wasn't like they couldn't play, but just like my shoulder. When I put my arm up like this, it hurts. This, that, you know, ankle, knee. So I looked at what their training volume was like, what their pitching volume was like, but practice. So their SPP raised, but their GPP dropped because I mean, our kids, especially our college kids, they'll drag a sled outside. Like you've been to our place. They'll drag it from our facility to the stop sign and back. <laughs> but so their GPP is dropping because now in a college setting, you have to train a group. It's a whole different thing. So I understand you have to address several levels of preparedness. Um, but so some of my girls, you know, they're dropping their bar weight, anything they can drop in the weight room they are, but they're expected to pitch more. So when you have that drop, you're asking for an injury. Of course. So, and that's, you know, what I was telling you about these studies. I mean, it's insane. All the studies that have been done on softball, which are very limited, explain the importance of strength so in this study i think this was uh texas yeah so this is out of texas so it talks about the breaking foot so your back foot all right you're holding about 120 percent of the body weight of the pitcher during the release so you got a 200 for easy math 200 pound pitcher that's a big girl <laughs> but that's what 240 pounds of pressure on one leg mm -hmm. so that's a ton of strength that these girls have to have because if they don't have that breaking power then something's going to take the load and if something else is taking the load that's not optimal it's not efficient well where you have deficiency 
you're going to have an injury. Either velocity will suffer or trajectory will suffer. Right. Um, and then same thing, vertical force, it's about 140% of body weight. I mean, <clears> if you saw these girls when they wind up, it is, it's so easy. Once you watch it enough, it's so easy to realize where their leaks are coming from because they look, it's literally load the hips, drive horizontally, brake, release. And it's just repetitive. A lot like a javelin. Yeah. But I was actually, um, they were talking, one of the studies I was reading uh, compared javelin throwers. It was um, Bob Aleo. Does that sound familiar? He was with the Oakland A's um, when Giambi and all those, that era was there. And he said, javelin throwers do not have the injuries that softball and baseball have. Why? And he said, because javelin throwers are some of the strongest people in the world. I met one years ago. I did a seminar at Eastern Illinois, and I sat next to a world champion, and I asked him what he did. This guy's telling me he's throwing hammers with both arms, and he's throwing bags, and I'm going, this guy's off his mind, except that's how we train. <laughs> we, we never do regular squats. 80% um, of our training, correct, Joe, is spatial exercise, only 20% of a barbell, and we never full squat. We don't do regular deadlift off the ground, and we set them or, you know, do real benches. Yeah. It's some special exercise. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but that was that was yeah. what he was saying. He said, pitchers get mm. oblique tears all the time. I, Why don't javelin throwers? <laughs> and I started thinking about it's the same. It's a similar. I won't say the same. But the loading, the rotational it, power. Gerard, Gerard down at uh, Explosive Mechanics in Atlanta trains a lot of guys and including some of the Atlanta baseball players. And he was telling me issues years ago how they had a bleak tear. And I'm going like, what? Then the next day on ESPN, there it was. I'm going like, this is insane. This is absolutely no training. Mm -hmm. You know, at the tear in oblique history. Because your obliques are more important than your rectus abdominals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Much more for yeah. an interabdominal pressure. Yeah. I mean. And, and, and rotation work. Right. Mm -hmm. And the big thing we've gotten to do, like with our Beginners, like um, you wrote that kid's book, so probably people that plank, side plank, sled drag. Like, we've dumbed down our young kids' training so much, and it's gotten so much better because that's that's their base. So everything just builds off that, and they never want to go back to that. You know, you say you train girls, so let's say you bring a girl, and she throws the ball 35 miles an hour the first time. Now, a coach has got to ask himself, how the hell did she do that? She never threw a ball before. Mm -hmm. It had to be through some special activity, by accident or not, that created the ability to throw the ball 35 miles an hour the first time. Yeah. And she never threw a ball. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think anyone ever thinks like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like um, yep. some of my bigger girls throw harder younger because they're bigger. Mass moves mass. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Since I've been lifting here and since I've been working with so many softball and baseball players, I've seen so many parallels to strength sports and to softball and baseball. Obviously, I'm not going to go you know, throw a baseball at my next meet, but how you can train and the things you can do, it's just armor building, just you know, build, no weak area. If you eliminate everything that's weak, your movement's going to be better. Yeah, you know, let's go look at professional women's basketball in the NWBA. All those girls are huge. Yeah. Right? They would carry me over the threshold if I married one. Yeah. Venus and Serena Williams. These are jacked up girls. They are the greatest. You know, Serena just kills everyone. 
and if you look at their opponents, they're all so big. You don't see a 105-pound tennis player anymore, female. And strength is the whole key to this. I, I, on another note, do you have any uh, bad bilateral deficits by always having the plant leg and the drag leg? Like when they start? or Well, after like, they play for a while, they, they do repetitive, the exercise repetitively. Oh, yeah. They yeah. develop. You yeah, know, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. But that's where things like the loaded carries and the sled drags were that's that was the easiest way to fix that mm -hmm. to get that deficit down because every forward step yeah <laughs> right makes so, a lot of sense um but the box squatting like even the young kids teaching them just to sit back and real quick i want to talk about some of the benefits i know you talk about the benefits of box squatting mm -hmm. and like the the actual um, performance benefits i don't care about any of that that's but the coaching benefits for me as a coach are way better so for one, they hit depth every time. So you know if you're squatting, you got kids squatting to a 12-inch box, they're going 12 inches above the ground every single time. Two, they can sit back further, so they can actually learn to load their hamstrings. Um, three, you can adjust the height based on the mobility of the hips. So, all right, tight hips. Like the last time I was up here, we did that with some visitor. Dropped probably yeah. down an inch at a time. Yeah. So I don't care if it's this, you know, this table high. If that's where they're squatting, that's where they're squatting. Next week, drop an inch. Week after that, I got a kid. He's in ninth grade. He's like six five, six six. Plays basketball. Everyone says like you can't squat tall athletes. He squats better than some like five yeah, two kids because they can't coach the squat, and yeah. you can. You know, <laughs> you know how to squat. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my pet peeves about coaching. And coaches don't get too mad at me, but basically, you, most of you don't know how to do exercises. If you just had the basic idea of how to squat bench deadlift power clean power snatch it would sure help mm -hmm. and then you must learn to do single joint exercises that's the key to injuries uh part of your body's going to be stronger than if, if everybody bench bench presses will just say how come everybody bench presses is built the same way you know the body takes different stress different ways depending on your arm length your torso length and so forth so you must do sp specialized single joint exercise for the i always look at everything you must train the ankle the mm -hmm. knee the hip, the elbow, the low back, and the upper back and the neck. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Bob Aleo said. He said, any overhead athlete, because in baseball and softball, the big thing is arm care. I'm sure you've seen videos of people getting, um, like, half-tension TheraBands, like, not even the bands in the gym. Like, yeah. And they do this and this. And, and he goes, do people realize that arm care goes from your fingertips to your toes? <laughs> that's arm care. So squatting is arm care. Deadlift. He said deadlift is the best thing you could do for a pitcher. Heavy deadlifts and heavy RDLs, demos, any of that, because you have to keep the shoulders down and back. So without a heavy load, the upper back's not going to be te tested. You know, how many times do you see people lose a deadlift because their upper back can't hold the weight? Uh, yeah. So if you and the squat. Yeah. So then that's what I'm saying. With the box squat, it's longer time to teach because they have to sit. They learn to relax the hips and explode up. And that's our best assessment tool. Yeah. You know, I can see if the knees cave in, all right, we need to get your butt stronger. If you can't sit back, we need to get you stronger hamstrings. When like, you when you box squat, you always push your feet apart so it builds tremendous lateral speed instantly. Yeah. I had a, a, a guy, John Kerr, who went to Houston, had the fastest cone drill in the NFL at one time. Never did any lateral exercises. A wide sumo deadlifts, drive the feet out, pull back, wide box squats. Yeah. Same thing. And... um then the next thing I'll talk about is we use 
I said it earlier, we almost always use accommodating resistance with our main lifts. Um, and I was weary of it at first, but the more I thought about it, like I'm sure you've seen people use a Vertimax where they got it on their hip, and but the bands are, you know, this. It's big. a couch plate or our belt score. Right. <laughs> but so, but when I was at the high school, the local high school, when I was a coach there, we had two Vertimaxes, I think, and people wanted to use them. I was like, these things are a waste of time. I can get two kids on. I can run a group of five athletes through a set of squats in two minutes. So, but now what I've had to do is I created my own chart because none of my kids could train here, right? So the band tension had, you just have to alter it. So instead of a 500 pound squatter, we got a 250 pound squatter. Yeah. All right. Didn't have. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing, but some of the benefits um, with our kids, because most of them come into us with no training experience. So some of the benefits, like I said, it teaches the tightness. It teaches acceleration, which that was the biggest thing. They learned to actually finish a movement instead of coasting to the top. What's up? Well, you bring that up because we want to talk about cat mm -hmm. compensatory acceleration training. Fred Hatfield made a big deal of it years ago in the 70s. It was a good idea then, but it doesn't work if you don't attach bands or at least change to the bar. Right. Because everything that has acceleration has deceleration mm -hmm. at the end. So if you don't attach bands to the bar, like you said, you will coast at the top. You'll get nothing out of it. Yeah. Um, but because our kids have a low training age, the nice thing is they feel the least comfortable down in the bottom of the squat. Mm -hmm. So you're deloading where they feel the least confident, and then you're adding weight. And I can adjust weight. I can adjust just accommodating resistance and make that their sets. Instead of putting bar weight on, add another chain. Yeah. Raise that's, the chain up. That's what you want to do. Because yeah. bands will slow the velocity of the bar, which then in turn produces greater force. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and also they're not as sore. Yeah. They don't get, you know, like I said, our kids are pretty much, they just wrapped up um, Winter League like two weeks ago. So Winter League just stopped. In a week and a half, they go to school ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like for me to have kids sore is not good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to happen from time to time, but I, that's another. I'm glad you brought that up because, <clears throat> you know, I when I work with athletes, I work mostly. I mean, I don't like to work with athletes, but mostly the ones I do are female track girls, sprinters, and I I can't take a chance of getting them hurt, and I don't want to. I, they got to walk out here not sore because their their objective is to run track. Right. And you said it. You had to drop. Most track coaches way run too much. You got to drop at least 35% of your running down mm -hmm. off. If you talk to Dr. Roma, if he does exactly that. Uh, one girl I've had, you know, Kylie here. Mm -hmm. I've had Kylie for six years, 140 pounds, measured a high state. She has a 40 inch vertical jump. Supposedly the highest state said they ever tested her was 35 and a half. I had another female go to Ohio State, uh, Laura Dodd, world record holder in the squad, former sprinter. Her hamstring quad ratio at the exercise phys lab on the Cybex machines was 60 hamstring, 40 quad. Just the opposite. It's a high step registered. All, both came out of this gym. Now, you got to think about it because I'm not a trainer. I'm, I don't like to work with people. I'm not. <laughs> I just want to work with my dumbass powerlifters and just leave me alone. <laughs> well, that's what, I mean, um, a couple of girls like Shelby, when she was going to her junior year, I remember she was walking through the gym and you could see her hamstrings. Every step she took. You know, her upper back was built, yep. and that's when she started throwing in the 70s consistently. 
and um, actually, in one year, my been her junior year, when she went back to college, she had more progress than anyone else on the team. And those are their postseason test numbers to their um, fall test numbers. So that's not me testing anything. But she, they did um, repeated sprints down and back, like short tens or something like that, a med ball throw, and chin-ups. And she had more progress on every sprint, power exercise, whatever it was. And um, they never got a hold of me. Well, they never do. <laughs> they never do. Um, do, you, do you do much in the ATP to belt squat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want you to talk about that. Like, uh, um, um, we, we do a ton of it. Um, we do a ton of the marches, the good mornings with it, um, RDLs. I mean, a lot. Oh, we started doing rotational med ball work out of there doing a med ball work while doing marches walking with a safety bar with a mini band hanging overhead weights. yeah mm -hmm. i mean anything um that's what's nice a lot of my college kids they uh don't have jobs or they have jobs they can go so they some of them will train for like two hours if they can um tom barry had a baseball player here for, he had an injured arm so first thing he did he got his arm straightened out by walking with a wheelbarrow it's a pretty complicated thing, but he did it. Right. And then secondly, he had an 87-mile-an-hour fastball, and when Tom was done with it, he threw 94-mile-an-hour. Go, Tom. So that's <laughs> what that ATP could do for people. And basically, it was a fairly important for when he th did throwing exercise, he had a target. Right. Well, one of the things with baseball and softball players is everyone has this huge belief, no pressing, no overhead work. And I, like I said, when I started working with all these girls, I was not that smart. I just said, we need to get overall strength up. So they pressed, they did overhead press, they did everything. Um, but, but what I've realized is most of them can't straighten their arm out. So they can get like this, or if they can straighten their arm out, they go into thoracic extension so much that it's not a real position. Because they've never done it? Because they are so tight in the pecs and... Um, bicep they can't straighten their arm out but so I asked a parent one time because they didn't want their kid bench pressing I said okay your kid can't straighten their arms up overhead right and they've never bench pressed in their life and they go yeah I go well I bench 600 and I can reach my hands behind my back They're like what's your point I'm like my point is it's not the bench press that's making your kid immobile it's the lack of strength and mobility and mobility comes from strength and the scapula yeah and when they heard that they're like oh my gosh that makes sense that kid now is going into his junior year. He just committed to some school, a smaller D2 school, um, throwing harder than he's ever thrown and more control and everything else. Now, anytime, a, a lot of people don't recommend overhead work. Uh, but, you know, uh, if, if you do stuff even behind the neck, you get a tremendous amount of power built in the traps. That's why shot putters, one of the main uh, training exercises they do is a push trick behind the head. And because the higher they normally can do that, the farther they throw. But one of the major reasons, it builds the upper back as well. Right. Yeah, it's stabilization. Yeah, it's upper back. A lot of traps is throwing. You go look at a knockout, a boxer. The knockout artist, I guarantee you have big traps. <laughs> one of the best things I think we've done, and it's the only Olympic lift variation we do in my gym, is a dumbbell snatch. Hmm. Because you have to produce force and quickly absorb force overhead. Mm -hmm. So for throwing hmm. athletes, I think it's the best thing ever. You know, I, I hear some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. People do Olympic lifts and think to build explosive power. 
explosive power is built at 30 to 40 percent of a one rep max. And that is explosive. That's explosive strength is built at 30 to 40 yeah, percent. If I max. want explosive curls, I would do curls at 30 to 40 percent of my one rep max. Right. And I mean, some of the stuff is just ludicrous. I hear. Mm -hmm. So yeah. and, and and also Olympic lifting. The only thing that truly it can help in sport is the optimization phase for the push jerk. Because right. like you said, you drop and you have to absorb. Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, the reason I started getting into softball is one of the girls, I started getting more and more of them. But then I, so then I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing this, I need to figure out what the hell I'm doing. So I started looking for research and looking for books, DVDs, whatever. Couldn't find any. There was zero publications. So I finally found a movie or a DVD and it was just a generic, this is how you train. And they said, um, if you want slow, strong muscle, squat. If you want fast muscle, do cleans. <laughs> but I'm like, that's not how that works, for one. Not hardly. Two, I'm watching them do cleans. They're not fast. They're not explosive. And they're not triple extending. So the whole point of it, it's just a reverse curl. I think too many people, they always see deadlifts are dangerous. And they do power cleans. Well, you're looking at a lousy 200-pound power clean. But if they want to look at a deadlift, they think you're maxing out with 700 at a contest with a nosebleed. Right. If you use the very same percentages, you will create a you – know, why do you even do lifts off the ground? Ground force. So the deadlift will cause greater ground force than a power clean. Well, yeah, because the yeah. bar weight's way higher. Because the bar weight's way higher. That's exactly yeah. right. But people don't look at – they don't look at physics and mathematics, and they don't understand training actually whatsoever. Um, I, I guess if I had, uh, you know – Every year I had a hundred, uh, you know, uh, D1 athletes rolled in here. I mean, I, I could be, a, wouldn't have to know that much either. And that's like, I worked with uh, Matt Lampson. He was a goalie for the Columbus crew. And I was thinking about this earlier. Training him was one of the easiest things I did. He liked training. <clears throat> he was a pro caliber athlete. Mm -hmm. He could get better from doing anything. Yeah, that's true. But he showed up four days a week, trained mm -hmm. and got better and, and, and signed a big ass contract. But Taking some of these softball girls that have an injury before they ever have a base, that's that's what made me a better coach because I actually had to learn. Taking somebody that doesn't want to work out and getting them better mm -hmm. is much and, easier. And fixing them first. That's 90% yeah. when if a track girl comes here, they have an injury. Yeah. I think to myself, why in the hell did he have an injury? You know, yeah. the coach should be tied ankle to ankle with these people. Then when the athlete gets an injury, they should get an injury. <laughs> and maybe that way they can learn a little quicker. Yeah, I mean, I I would say one out of every ten people that come to our gym are without an injury. So nine out of ten have an injury. I was on the phone with Stuart McGill yesterday. You know, the famous yeah. back expert, and he he asked me why I thought I have developed so many strong people. I said no injuries, and so we've had twenty six people over eight hundred deadlift, four over nine, a dozen women over five, uh, because we have strong backs. We don't have weak backs, mm -hmm. and you know. Um, Conditioning the cell as, keeping the cell as uh, in working order, right. but in, and strong hamstrings and glutes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't you can't perform when you're weak, and that's what. No. And it's from being here and watching you. It's made it so easy. Like I said, like I know each part of a deadlift. If their if their hips are doing this, if their knees are doing this, if their mm -hmm. upper back's going. I already have two or three exercises that would probably help them. And you see it right away. Yeah. It don't take you six months. No. I took mm -hmm. a girl. I fixed her squat. Her college coach wouldn't let her squat. 
because they, she can. That's what they were told. So she spent the whole year doing a kettlebell box squat with a 20-pound kettlebell. So I worked with her, and in five or six minutes, she was squatting 135 with perfect form. You know, something, too, um, you know, the way we run the three-week ways and the percentage training, you know, every weight has the same percents. If it's 400, 600, 800. I mean, actually, when you came up, you went from about 525 to 855 in a year. Yeah. We just, every time you made, you jumped to six, we changed the, uh, the amount, of the weights, of the, but the same percents of right. six, then seven and eight, and so forth. Yeah. And uh, that way you never overtrain. If you understand what you do, you will not overtrain an athlete or undertrain an athlete. Yeah, and the thing, the biggest thing I've learned, we, what it ends up being, we're doing percentage work, but on their first week, we'll start working up and wait with the kids. Mm. Hey, do your sets at this weight. This is the bar speed I want is right here. Don't go up. He yeah. needs to go up. He needs to add about a 25 well, on each side, but that's it. Yeah, if you don't know, if you can switch, you go. Yeah, so then the next two weeks are already planned out. Okay, you did 225 for your sets on speed squat. Next week, go 245. The following week, either work up or do sets with 265, 275. And, and that's you, how we've been doing it. And you roll it back down. Yeah, then we'll switch a bar mm -hmm. or yep. something. And it's, I get a lot of questions about using uh, percentages for dynamic effort work. And I really think people overcomplicate it. I mean, you've, when it's me, Luke, and Jake, we said, oh, this, this is a good weight. We're all moving it decently fast. <laughs> but it's, you know. You know, uh, for years we did 25% band tension for our speed work, 50 to 60% with 25 band tension. Mm -hmm. Then I did an experiment. I jumped the band tension up. And it actually, uh, Coy did actually a six. I had a girl squad to go for six training with the bands. It was probably close to 40%, but she did 630 with 210 pound of band, which is 33%. And the other day, she squatted 670. And this is basically what went from 325 to 670 in six months. <laughs> and one reason I added band tension, and I'm, I'm writing a article, I did a short podcast about it. But why did I add band tension? Because I could slow the bar velocity down. If I slow it down, because the, all the data that I use came from weightlifting. Weightlifting is a speed strength sport. You have to be fast with heavy uh, move, movements in weightlifting. Our sport is really a strength speed sport. Yeah. So even I moved it, you know, as it turned, I moved it up 8% with tremendous results in this wide. Oh, yeah. So far, two world records for a 132. 606 and 617 for a female. Heidi. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> but, it, but I'm writing about it now because things change. You have to evolve. Yeah. How many coaches do you have the same program for their athletes all year long? They've never heard of the word accommodation. I will, I will not tell you how many of my kids have a two-day-a-week workout, and it never changes. <laughs> I mean, it's they because they gave me – some of them show me their stuff, and I try to communicate with a lot of the coaches. That way they know, like, hey, we're doing this. I know you're doing this. We're going to substitute this if that's all right. And I try to keep the doors open both ways. And so far that's been pretty good. Um some coaches, the scary thing to me is that a lot of coaches don't care. Especially, like, I got girls at D3 and D2, and um, Mark Watts actually brought this to my attention a long time ago, and I never thought about it. At D2, like, one of my D3 girls, she's at Ohio Wesleyan, she runs the strength conditioning for their softball team. And she's, she's good. She's been with me a while. I wouldn't trust her to train me. But she's, you know, I, she's not going to get people hurt. But how many coaches would let their 
athletes run a practice. Just say, oh, go hit some balls. Mm -hmm. Because that's the technical skill. But when it comes to the weight room, it's just, it gets blown off. And your technical skill can only evolve as far as your general skill will allow it. It's not the other way. One of my pet peeves is football. Mm -hmm. I always said, how come I'm not the football coach of Ohio State? I never played. Well, I mean, does it, does it matter that I never played football? Because you got strength coaches that never lifted weights. They never competed. Right. You know, if you don't make yourself strong, you don't know how to make someone strong. Right. <laughs> and, and that's how I look at it. And I've learned way more um, being in here, helping the people I train with here. And, you know, we have a small group at our gym learning from them because all of them are different. They all have a different injury, a different personality. Yeah. Um, a different life scenario, whatever yep. it is. And that's what's made me better. And I'll just go on. Uh, to coach, you have to coach. You have, I mean, I individually. Could, yes. It's not, I, I don't know how you become a coach without coaching. I, I asked a coach one time about, I said, what do you, how do you train your good girls? And he, he told me, I said, how do you train your bad girls? He trained the bad girls the very same way. So that's when I, I suggested that the athlete I was going with that she drops out of that school and goes somewhere else. <laughs> because, you're, you know, if you put good, good players and bad players together in any sport, it could be wrestling, baseball, whatever, the, the, good, the bad players will never become good, but the good can become bad. Yeah. And that's why you have to separate them. Right. And if you want to become a high-level coach, you're going to make your money on the, on the players. Right. Yeah, the 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 median or the mean will always come lower. It's not gonna. It's hard to get it to go up. I mean, you know, the Alabama coach Saban said he said, and it's a smart thing that he said. He said, you don't win games with plays. You win them with players. So put the best players, but you got to keep the best players. You got to separate them. They need to know. Athletes need to know real quick in the pecking order where they really are. Right. Just like a job. Right, and that's one thing I've really tried to point out because the travel baseball and travel softball have gotten so far out of hand with tournaments and um, mm -hmm. the verbiage they use to recruit kids. Elite, select, this, that, pri private, whatever, I don't know. But my new rule is if you can't do a two-minute plank, you're not allowed to use the word elite. <laughs> and, I mean, that's such an elementary thing that I have. It's pretty yeah. You know, one of the guys that works for me, um, one of the coaches, John, he's got his six-year-old son, can sit there. I put a 20-pound plate on his back the other night, and he just sat there just like, ah, just laughing, doing a plank. But I have high school and college kids that can't do it for 30 seconds. And I got a guy, I think he's your age, I've trained him for 10 years, and he's had two shoulder replacements. He can do a plank for a minute. He's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got less miles on his body. <laughs> Um, but we'll get back to some of these studies because I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So this study from 1998, they studied 24 high-level D1 pitchers. All right. Take guess out of 24 pitchers, how many injuries there were. Now, how many players were injured? Yeah. I would well, say. How many injuries there were in 24 pitchers? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. I would say 55. 26 injuries. 26. 17 to the upper body. Half the injuries were to the shoulder, elbow, or bicep, rotator cuff also. Mm -hmm. um, so part of the issue is females have la less upper body mass. Right. And I never thought about this till I was reading this like a month ago. But because you have less upper body mass, 
the angle at the elbow is just like benching. You don't want this angle to be big. You want it closed off. Mm -hmm. Same with pitching. If you got skinny little bird arms, that's taken a lot of um, torque. Whereas if you actually have some muscle, it's padding more or less. Um, so that's where a lot of this comes in. It all comes back to having some mass, having some strength. Especially around the joints. Right. A lot of hammer curls and extensions. Yes. And grip work. Y'all, grip. We don't do a ton of direct grip work, but we do a ton of grip work. I mean, pulling against oh, yeah. deadlift against bands. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our kids don't go, they'll just stay double overhand. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's what you I should get, do it. Simple grip. Yeah. As much as you can. Um, I have a high school girl. She deadlifted 300 for three the other day. <laughs> so, I mean, that's taking care of grip strength. Yeah. Now, the, we still have fat grips and um, the what are the closer things, mm -hmm. the little handles. Yeah. Um, and they'll do that. But, you know, doing pull-ups, doing rows, heavy rows, holding heavy dumbbells, heavy barbells, um, that's what you need. I saw a picture. He, he actually had a baseball and a softball. He drilled a hole through it. This old-time strongman thing. He drilled a hole through it and then put washers on top and hung weights to a string to the ball for extra mm -hmm. grip work like that. Yeah. So it's more specific. Right. Um, trying to think. So and then in another study, just a few quotes that I found interesting. The proximal segments of the legs and trunk work sequentially in effort to accelerate the shoulder for optimal force production in the upper extremity activities. So what that's saying, again, it starts from the ground and it propels your arm. So it makes perfect sense why, as all these girls were getting stronger, I mean, some of the pitchers were increasing their velocity ten to 5 to 10 miles an hour. And again, when you're talking 43 feet, that's a shitload of difference. Um, so then, so functional. Oh, then adequate firing of the glute muscle group would be vital and proximal to distal sequencing movements. So everything, I mean, me and you talked about this a long time yeah. ago, everything comes from the hips. And again, everybody wants to talk about core. It doesn't matter if this is strong and this is weak, this is weak. Yeah. And you can see it in pitchers, the ones whose hips swing way out or their arm, you know, there's a whole sequence. It's just like running. I'm sure you've watched Kylie's arms when she sprints. Mm -hmm. There's a timing effect that has to be optimal for balance. For, yeah, that yeah, that's <laughs> it's all about balance and acceleration, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's the same for pitching. And you can see why these girls get so many shoulder injuries. If you're losing your power and your arms back here, that means every all your torque is coming from here mm -hmm. and instead of your hips. Yeah, that's why we do so much reverse hypers and work in the bell squat because we're doing thousands of pounds and it's all basically restoration, it's all traction right. at the same time. Oh, yeah, and I have girls, the girl I just said deadlifted 300 for three, she had a bad play in summer ball this year and fractured her back. So she was going to PT like three times a week for two months, I think, like couldn't even train, and she just deadlifted 300 for three. So that's, what, six months, eight months? Yeah. But every time she comes in, she does 50 to 100 hypers, and she'll do 30 to 50 inverse curls, and she'll do rows. And this is all before she, her, their workout starts. I mean, <laughs> so it's just like here, the people who generally show up and do the most. Do and, the work hard the best. Yeah. I mean, our girls, our best girls have the highest work capacity. 
I think a lot of people can't understand the concept of a workout and training. You know, if you're going to be a top athlete, it's training. It's not working out. It's not three sets of eight. It's not, this is this crazy stuff. You have to learn the difference between training and a workout. Workout is for your businessman and your housewife. Right. And the best thing I picked up from you was I noticed you treat everyone in the gym a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But you do it to get the most out of them. And I, when I started doing that to my girls, it was a whole different thing. I know there's girls I can push their buttons and be mm-hmm. a little more stern with, and then there's girls that need a little more coddling. But however... And that's all part of coaching, is learning how to read and how, and that's what I was saying earlier, to be a better coach, you have to coach. You can't become a better coach by sending an Excel sheet. I mean, you have to be hands-on. Too many people are trying to understand the questions that they have for themselves through others, and it really doesn't work that way. And you you got a tough job because you never want a girl athlete to turn into a girl on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst thing possible. (laughs) Right. Um. From that same study, here's another. And this is all, when you break down the fancy verbiage and everything else, it's all very simple. But an unstable scapula produces inefficient movement of the scap during such a dynamic movement would predispose the glenohumeral joint to migrate, which is associated with impingement syndrome. Obviously, if you have an impinged shoulder, you can't throw a ball worth of crap. It all starts in your freaking scapula. Yeah. And since I've been really monitoring their rows, their pull-ups, pull-downs, whatever. Yeah, even push-ups. Push-ups were the best thing for yeah. scapulas, in my opinion. Um, and actually, who was it? It was Zach Cole. Remember him? Yeah, sure. So a while ago, me and him became good friends, and he works out with my wife now. <laughs> he does CrossFit, and she likes working out. and uh, He benched something decent yesterday. Like 365. Yeah, it was a powerhouse when he was oh, here. His form's still perfect. Oh. I mean, just when he squats, deadlifts, everything's perfect. I watched him box squat, parallel box squat, 600 with 700 pounds of band. Jesus. <laughs> I swear to God. He's probably like 20. But Greg Pedora, they tied, but Greg wore, had a suit on with it. And Zach was just a He was just like, you, his form was so good. Um, <laughs> that's... Yeah. But he's the one that got me doing push-ups. And what I noticed, I was like, why am I doing push-ups? I'm going for a 600-pound bench. I don't need to do a push-up. What I noticed was when I started doing push-ups, my elbow pain went away and my shoulder pain went away. You, you know, you bring up people don't like to do overhead pressing, right? I have a tremendous problem with my neck and my thoracic. Mm-hmm. But I cannot do hands overhead, two at a time. But I can do alternating dumbbell presses with no problem. Overhead. As long as I only have one arm overhead, I don't dare put both overhead at the same time. You pass out. It would, it, I, well, I was at Dr. Serrano's. He had me put my hands over my head and raise my head and my pulse stopped. <laughs> That's when I realized I had a problem. <laughs> and I still lived probably eight years after that, you know. Oh, but I, I can put alternating presses overhead, but I can't use both hands. So I like, you know, I like to do a lot of alternating. You know, say I did two sets of 25-pound dumbbells for 100 reps. See, we do most of our overhead pressing with our kids. We don't do a, if we do barbell overhead, it's just like volume work, mm-hmm, yeah. just to build some hypertrophy. I quit doing heavy, over, like strict overhead because what I noticed was their start position would go from here forward and then back. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a good position. But so we started doing like a half kneeling press overhead, 
and a dumbbell split jerk and a dumbbell push press. And that's been, I think that has been, along with the dumbbell snatch, has helped our shoulder stability more than anything. You know, it's very, it, you, that's a good point. A lot of people don't realize that Pat Casey did a lot of uh, steep inclines, and he would actually turn his head because he wanted the ball as close as he could get it to his chin. He actually turned his head. So it's almost I don't know how military. safe that is, but that's why he did it. That's he interesting. That bar, it, he did not want that bar out front at all. Huh. With a closed grip or? Uh, close, pretty close grip. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, oh, and then some other things. So for years, it's been said that softball pitching, the motion is safer than baseball pitching. It's really not. <laughs> and, but they both, um, it's still dysfunction. Weakness causes dysfunction. And that's what creates the injuries. Now, where the injuries occur might be a little bit different. You're not going to have as many rotator cuff injuries for softball pitching. It's going to be more of the elbow um, and bicep. Like one of my girls, she blew her bicep off when she was in like eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what's you're using that bicep where it inserts at the pec. Mm -hmm. That's what you're using to throw the softball when you have dysfunction mm. instead of your hips. Obviously, your biceps are not nearly as strong as your glutes mm -hmm. or hamstrings. Um, oh, and another Babaleo thing. He said, for a pitcher, arm health and velocity is never about any one or two muscles or any one method. Accelerated Accelerator muscles are sites of imbalance or pain, not decelerators. So you're pulling muscles, your upper back. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because we're, it's, um, like you said, the weak things are what breaks. It's, it's not. not the strong things. Right. And I, I mean, I, I'm to the point your upper back can never be too strong. Your abs can never be too strong. Your, your glutes are never too strong. It can't be too strong, too rich, or too good looking. <laughs> I'm waiting for one of those. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, so as, I mean, I got girls doing sit-ups with 45-pound plates for 100 reps every day. And I know people say sit-ups don't work, this, that, whatever. They're getting some ab work. You know, when we do playing, some of my good girls will put chains around their hips, so they have to resist that, have bands pulling from different directions. Um, I love the anti-rotation stuff with all my rotational athletes like pal off press or hold stuff like that. Do you do things in reverse? What do you mean? Uh, well, like the throwers in my, in my throw book, I talk about all throwers have to actually throw in reverse. If you're a right-hand thrower, you actually have to throw left-handed. Uh, so oh, yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. imbalances. Yeah. Golfers, so, golfers should think about that too. Yeah. I know uh, Tom, Tom Berry trains a high-skilled professional golfer. Um, we'll do like some prehab exercises. So instead of, you know, Pitching in this motion will take like a micro band, mini band, and have them do like almost a, across the body. Mm -hmm. So it's the opposite motion. It makes sense somewhere in here. Just some external work. Yes. But the problem with the internet is now we have such a hybrid of movements that people think, you know, I think we've gotten past thinking sports specific is a good thing. But now people want movements in their training that mimic their on-field performance. Yeah. I do the opposite. You're smart. I've never, we don't do, I mean, that makes as much sense as taking a mini band and just jerking forward. It makes no sense to me. So we, if they do that in the on the field, we're going to do this in the gym. You know, if they're doing this, we're going to pull back. And that's, so getting away from any mimicking motion 
has been better than any because i think when you try to make a hybrid movement you're just wasting time mm -hmm. you're not increasing gpp or spp or anything else mm -hmm. so it's just a middle of the road thing and there's nothing in the middle of the road <laughs> so i mean that's um oh and then i have some myths <laughs> some myths about girls training so girls can't train heavy they can actually train heavier um, because of hormonal differences from men, testosterone mainly. So they're not going to get a sore. They can't go, they can't raise to an absolute level, if you will, like a man could because they have more estrogen and less testosterone. As you well know, I've had the strongest females of all times. They train exactly like the males. There is no difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was my next one. Different programs. <laughs> I just had somebody ask me if I could program for their volleyball player I'm like yeah they can train with our football guys mm -hmm. and it's still the same thing all the kids i train people need to quit using the exceptions as a rule yes when you get to major league baseball players yeah there's some things that you should be more concerned with i'm training 14 year olds that have no level of strength no level mm -hmm. of endurance and horrible mobility so everyone just needs every athlete i train needs to get stronger faster and be able to do more work at the same time um strong is bulky that's bogus strong <laughs> is fast that's what i tell people strong is fast just take a look at the world-class sprinter yeah um well actually the one girl i told you she squatted 225 for three and then another girl she squatted 205 for three they're the two fastest girls in the whole central Ohio league i mean if you watch them run it's freaking nuts it's all about strength and power yep um the key is to overcome gravity. Right. And if you're not strong enough, you don't run very fast. Right. Um, dumbbells over barbells. Everyone thinks that if you press a barbell, you somehow lose mobility in your shoulders. Well, the difference is a dumbbell you can take back here. A barbell is going to stop in your chest. So we, I mean, we still dumbbell bench, but it's not our main stuff. Um, Olympic lifting, we talked about that. And I like Olympic lifting. My wife competes in Olympic lifting. It's not, like you said, it's, you know, up to 30, 40% max. I used to talk to an old biomechanics expert from East Germany. This was about 20 years ago. And I asked him about, you know, Udebayer and Timberman and these guys. And they said everybody, a lot of them didn't do it. They didn't do the cleans or snatches, but they did do pulls. Mm -hmm. He said the only reason they did it is to build the traps. He said yeah. in upright rows, if you do up anything that builds the traps, you're going to throw it farther. It's a myth. I mean, it's you know these guys knew what they were doing. Right. Um, run more to get fast. We've proven that, and I got all the yeah. I got all the sheets. We run oh, less, yeah. and our kids' lateral speed's better. Their linear speed is smoking. I mean, so majority of our girls are pitchers, and pitchers should not be the fastest people on the team. I would say, of our fifteen pitchers in college softball, twelve are the fastest on their team, which is what would be stupid. the fastest? Like a shortstop? Probably a, like outfield. Outfield. Because they got the most uh, to cover. Mm. But a pitcher, I mean, from here to the wall, like yeah. they're in a small, confined mm -hmm. space. But we have girls that are pitchers, and they're the fastest on their team, or one of the fastest. Um, specificity, I'm not huge on specificity. And the more we get away from it, the better it seems to be. Yeah. Um, now, we're doing some more stuff. I don't want to say specificity. I'll say peaking, because their season's coming up. But... Um, I, I found out a long time ago 
a strength coach cannot make like a football player or or a sportsman in the weight room. He can only make a stronger, more powerful sportsman Correct. and more durable. Yeah. If the, you got a million coaches out there to teach someone how to spike a, a volleyball or throw a baseball or punt a football. Yeah. And that's, that's not their me. job. That's not the strength coaches. Yeah. And that's what I tell people when they ask me, hey, can you get my daughter to pitch like so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> I can tell you probably what's wrong with their movement, but I have people I – like Shelby's given lessons now. Like I have people in the area like that I'll talk to that do lessons and I'll talk to them to see what these girls are doing. Um, body weight only, especially for the kids. That's a big, you know, master your body weight. That's fine. But what if using a load gives them an external stimulus to actually do something? Like kettlebell deadlift has been the best thing for like eight and nine year olds. Hmm. Take their feet out wide. It teaches them to keep the hips open, keep the chest up tight stomach and they stand straight up it's not that hard mm -hmm. you know kids carry groceries in for their parents all the time but if it's a kettlebell or a dumbbell people go nuts <laughs> um so, but you know you give your kid weight some of them will actually get better with weight um oh and then something i forgot over the summer i talked to a girl Haley mcleany three-time all-american softball player all right but she's got a strength conditioning she's cscs and i think she's actually coaching now so I talked to her. I wanted. To, she played at Alabama, and she was on Team USA. I was like, I want to see what your take is. So she said the only girls at each level on her softball teams that were injured were the ones that didn't train. <laughs> um, they at Alabama they pressed, pulled, did everything the same. Um, rotates intensity, rotates exercise selection, and does different ab work every day. Just conjugate system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, when she was saying that, I was like, this is mm -hmm. absolutely, this is what I've been saying, but it helps getting confirmation from an athlete. I know Alabama has 10 reverse hikers now. Not really. Yeah. Well, do they use them? Well, I don't know. Hopefully. Guess, but, but so does Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, last thing I want to say is Eric Cressy, he had a great, he has a whole article on should baseball players run long distance? And the answer is no. But he said maximal relative strength has a trickle-down effect to all things athletic. <laughs> right? If you take your squat from 200 to 400, a single body weight squat is a whole lot easier. If you take your squat up 200 pounds, doing 20 body weight squats is going to be a whole lot easier. Um, Just like... The 225 bench press. Right. Yeah. And it's easy when you're a 600 pound bench. Yeah, right. um, but he said, never, without strength, you'll never make use of all the uh, strength, regardless how good rate of force development is, if you don't have mass. You know, strength, everything builds off Absol strength. Absolute strength. Yeah. And, you know, I know the argument right now is how strong is strong enough. Strength is multifaceted. <laughs> and that's what I learned from you. It's not just lift big heavy weights as slow as possible. The best thing I did for my strength was get faster. Well, unfortunately, people don't know how to lift weights. That's what I'm saying. They don't understand the planning, the intensities. You know, they don't understand. You know, they want to go build a spatial strength, but they don't know what velocity to use to build that spatial strength. So they go, well, that didn't work. Well, you used the wrong velocity. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. And we don't have a Tendo unit. I had one and it broke. A, a girl, uh, the gears in a Drag car is a lot different than a Formula One car. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it's the same thing for sports. Yeah. Um, the speed training, oh, and that was with our college kids, another big thing. Our really strong kids, we had kids 
a few girls that could deadlift 315, and it looked the same as 135. Right. Just slow as shit. Just everything was slow. <laughs> so we gave them more dynamic effort work. Mm-hmm. And then we had girls that are just horribly weak. And they did almost three to four days of max effort training. And they both showed progress. Max effort training is the greatest method of strength training. Yeah. Straight up. It, the ones that can do it. Right. <laughs> um, but I also talk to them, you know, mm-hmm. how do you feel? Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, even if it's the second week of a squat wave, the kid tells me, like, I think I got, I got, I'm going to break with my record. My, right, take my, a week. My, uh, my sprinters, my female sprinters, three days before a race, I would have them do something extremely hard in the gym. A lot of times, uh, isometrically, and invariably, the three days go on the weekend, and they were in their fastest time. Wow. Set, it, it set the central nervous system. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of people don't understand uh, the theory of fatigue. You know, when you train, you're going to have fatigue. And normally, that's about one day. But then the results of training are, are visible for 72 hours. Correct. And so people, have, they don't understand that. I actually had a girl. She's playing softball at West Point right now. She graduated last year. Biggest game of the year. Like the two teams at the top of the league. That day she did box squats, three sets of three with 135 and a purple band. She did a full workout. And I asked her after the game, I was like, how do you feel? She goes, I've never felt better. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. Now with that week. You know, they don't sprint in season. They'll do marches, sled drags, whatever, battle ropes. But the intensity in season still has to stay high. Mm-hmm. If you drop intensity, your performance is going to drop. Mm-hmm. And that's been the best thing for our in-season athletes, too. And that's where the box squatting um, bands change, keeping the soreness down. Like I said, that girl had the best season she's ever had. Now she's at West Point. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. But. Is there anything else you want to touch on? No, I think you pretty much covered everything. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Over and out from Westside. Side.